And this is always that moment of truth. Welcome to the Radio Rally on Clubhouse. What you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing some stories from some pretty amazing radio people, and uncovering the path forward right now in radio. Today's live event will also be a podcast called The Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast, and will become available within about an hour of the end of this live event wherever you get your podcast. Of course, we would like to say a very big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. We have great guests and insight every single week that can help you grow, learn, and meet the challenges of your career in the 21st century. Meet our guests live on the Clubhouse app or subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and the Encouragers The Radio Rally Podcast are both on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Today, Monday, August 16th, where's this year gone, right? Dave Steele is going to join us, commercial voiceovers uh, for radio, television, film, narration, agencies worldwide. He will also be joined on this episode, this live event with Vicki Pepper, who is a radio announcer traffic reporter, director of public affairs programming for Odyssey KR, I'm sorry, KFRG. I knew I would get that mixed up at one point or another. Of course, before we get started with our guest to this live event, don't forget that next Monday is our LA and love event. And that will feature Marcy Weiser, who does 10 to 3 middays on 95.5 KLOS in Los Angeles. And also she'll be joined by Mandy Prussia Young, who is with K-Love and Air One as their group program director. Of course, you can see our entire updated guest calendar that's scheduled all the way out through September on our blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. We have encouragement for on-air and promotions with what we call our more than live and local guest series, and even more encouragement for local radio sellers with our encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources for anyone in radio, or let's go ahead and say it, audio today. We don't lock away anything on our site like some other consultants will do. That's because we believe in the theory of abundance. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime, 24-7. See what you can get from our team for free. Please follow the people that you see on stage tonight at this live event and look around the room to connect with others while you're here as well. We are here to encourage your broadcast career. We think that's a part of that is networking and just being a part of a bigger community. My name is Lloyd Ford and I'm a branding advisor and consultant with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works LLC. Call me about our music lab and how it prevents music drift and improves ratings. You can also have a conversation with me about our morning show, Fame Development Coaching, that puts an accent and action in the right place to build opportunity for robust ratings growth.
ask about encouragement too. It's one of our services. If you know someone who is looking for fresh answers, please recommend us. We'd love to help. And of course, you can reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. One v- last announcement before we get this party started. Join us for a very special event on October the 1st. Yes, we're planning ahead. If you're serious about programming, developing audience for your radio station, developing audience anywhere with music, or you just want to be the best music director in your market. This is a must-attend must live event. Make time for the one and only Guy Zapolian on October the 1st. We call this our Friday night live event with Guy Zapolian. Friday, October 1st, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. This is a one-time only event with the encouragers, music research and rotations. This is about music discovery, Music itself, research, and rotations, then and now with Guy Zapolian. As we gear up for a great live event, uh, of course, I always like to check in and have a question for each of our co-hosts. Let's start with Jesse Tack. Jesse, how are you? Lloyd, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Last week, we had a kind of a Major League Baseball big-time event this uh uh, well, I, what do you call it? The Field of Dreams. That's what it was on location of Kevin Costner's movie Field of Dreams. And, of course, Kevin was there. There was a, uh, there was so much spectacular visual. Can you tell us about when you visited that location and tell us maybe something about that location that we may not know if we had not ever visited ourselves? Uh, well, first of all, I'm from Iowa, um, and I just looked it up. I an hour and 10 minutes away from the field of dreams movie site is where uh, I grew up. So we went a lot as kids. I was there the year after the movie came out and I've been there a couple of times as an adult. It is in the middle of nowhere. It is near a small town. And uh, for the longest time you had to take gravel roads out to this movie site, but it's exactly what it looks like in the movie. It's a field, it's a farmhouse and they've added some gift shops. Um, so it's it's but it's very humbling when you're there it's if you've seen the movie like that the presence of that movie is there one fact though that i learned about it is uh at the end of that movie it shows all the cars lining up on the road like driving to the field of dreams they all look like they're you know driving and heading there they weren't actually moving uh it was a trick they were all flashing their high beams on and off and they were all being directed by a movie director over the radio frequency that they had all tuned to in their cars. They took over a local radio station to direct that final scene, which I think is amazing. So that's kind of radio's tie to the Field of Dreams, right? Uh, yes, yes. I even forgot about that as, until I was telling that story. So, yes. Well, listen, I, I don't know. Have you ever been to Graceland? Elvis uh, Presley's time. Graceland? Okay, yeah. is, it, is it similar but for baseball? You know, I mean, you're kind of going to this place that – you know, people hear about all their lives. There's a big movie about it. Eh. It's simpler. It like that? It's it's way simpler. It is really? much more humble. There's a lot of going on at Graceland. This is what it says it is. It is a field in the middle of, of a cornfield. Um, but it not much has changed in over 30 years. So all right, that's wait, your thing. You'll did, love it. Yeah, and did you get to go on the field? Do you go on the baseball diamond and Absolutely. everything? Absolutely. You can do really? everything. You can run the bases. You can walk out into the corn and walk into the corn and disappear. And 
uh, at the time, you could not go onto the porch of the house, but I think they allow you to take tours of it now. It, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. If you like that movie, you should find a reason region to go. So basically, if you live out in the middle of nowhere, it's a good idea to have a movie come and film there, and then you, right. you have kind of a tourist attraction. There, Absolutely. Right? Oh, and it's only going to get crazier for them because now there's probably going to be another baseball major league game out there next year. So it's not going to – yeah, it's good for them. Oh, I could see them doing that every year. Well, thank you for joining us, Jesse. Of course, Jesse does afternoons on B105 in Cincinnati. You can always catch Jesse's afternoon show on their live stream. Now, of course, I get to check in with Heather Frogbeer, and she's in Riverside, San Bernardino. How are you, Heather? I'm good. Busy as, uh, as all I get out, but I'm good. I never hear from you where you're not busy, you're relaxing, and you do take vacations, but I'm saying I bet you don't even relax during vacation. I do not. You're, I don't think there's anybody in radio who doesn't, who relaxes on vacation. You try to, um, and it's important to do that, but, eh, you know, you got to always peek at your phone now and, and again. That's okay. Well, yeah, we're all addicted. Listen, I, I know that people got to be talking about this all over the country. I wonder if your listeners talk with you about this. How are you coping with the higher gas prices in California? And also, do you use the Gas Buddy app? I do not use the Gas Buddy app. I probably should. But as a busy mom, working mom, you always go where the gas station is closest to you, simply for convenience. Well, yes, it's funny you bring that up because um, I paid four fifty nine a gallon last week. Ooh. I just happened to post it on uh, Facebook, and uh, lots of folks from all over the country chimed in. And I guess we're definitely overpriced over here, but you know, at least it's not L.A. We're not far away from L.A. But one gal who chimed in uh, said down by Wilshire Boulevard, she paid five something a gallon. So it's very ridiculous, but it's tempting to move to places like Iowa or Texas, you know, where gas is still in the twos. That would be nice. Sure they, look, they got that field of dreams thing. It's very yeah. humbling. Did you hear that? I bet it's very humbling when you go to the gas, uh, when you go to the gas pump and it costs that much for you to put a gallon of gas in your car, right? Yeah, I guess I should be very thankful that I'm still able to broadcast from home. So, cause I'm not oh, having Oh, nice. So, see, you're actually building up a very nice fund. I like that. Listen, <laughs> you've got a great guest for us, don't you? I really do. And it's kind of, it, this one is close to me because we have actually worked together for a number of years. <clears throat> Vicki Pepper, uh, she's done stints at KUZZ, Bakersfield, the Heritage Station there, KZLA in Los Angeles. Um, she is currently our on-air announcer, our, our major fill-in for all of us. And she's our director of public affairs programming. She also does traffic in the mornings, in the afternoons for KFROG in Riverside, San Diego, and sometimes KMLE in Phoenix. And, um, you know, she is the epitome of somebody who can juggle a lot of hats, which is why I wanted to have her on, because that is extremely necessary in radio today. And she's always got a great attitude. Um, Pepper, welcome to the show tonight on uh, the beautiful Clubhouse app. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Take us back because you are really somebody that can juggle a lot of hats. Take us back to how you got your start in radio and how you ended up, you know, here at KFROG. 
Well, this is pretty special because I listen to the radio rally every Monday night while I sit here in my home studio in between traffic reports. And I've got the station playing on the Alexa in the hallway so that I can monitor what's going on. And then I have Clubhouse on my phone. So there have been some amazing guests on this platform. So this is truly flattering to be included. I grew up listening to K-Frog and... Heather, I always hesitate to say this because I swear I am not trying to make you feel old when I say this, but I remember listening to you on the radio when I was in high school. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is that you're not that much older than me. And also you started on the air at KFROG when you were very, very young. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. It's year 28 today. Today is the 28th anniversary. (laughs) Um... So I was obsessed with country music growing up and I was obsessed with K-Frog. And when I got into my junior year of college and was suddenly realizing that I had to figure out what I was gonna do with my life, I thought, well, maybe I wanna do country radio. And I kind of got involved with two things simultaneously. I was living in Orange County, which is probably equal distance between, as far away from LA as it is from Riverside where I grew up. And I got involved with my college radio station. And if you have ever had any college radio experience, you know that that is a wildly different experience than commercial radio. But I really got a vast musical knowledge of the type of country music that doesn't get played on the radio. And because of that, I think I have a passion for live music and for local artists and for being a champion for the underdog. And I think that reputation has kind of followed me throughout my career. As I was doing this whole college radio thing, I also got an internship with KZLA in Los Angeles. And from there, I worked my way up as you do in radio. I did was part of the street team. I was a board op. I was working as RJ Curtis's program assistant. Um, for the last two and a half years that any of us were there at KZLA until they flipped formats. I, and I just have to throw this out there too, because tomorrow marks the 15 year anniversary of the format flip of KZLA. And every good thing that you have heard about RJ Curtis as a programmer is true times 10. Yep. He, even looking back now, I see how he put together a staff that was, the sum was greater than the whole of the equal parts or whatever that phrase is. They complemented each other so well. And I think that actually made it harder when, when the format flip happened because we had such a great team and we gelled so beautifully. And I have to hand this to Jimmy Steele, too, who is our VP of programming and spent most of his time on the other side of the hall programming Power 106. But at one point, I remember him saying, if you foster an environment where people are having fun and screwing around in the halls, that that tends to spill out over onto the airwaves. And I think that is absolutely what happened at KZLA, because that was such a magical place to work. But all good things must come to an end. And uh, after the format flip, I was very, very lucky to become an associate producer with After Midnight when it was still based in LA. I was morning show producer at 
KKGO for about 15 minutes. And once that all came to an end, I kind of looked at my resume and took stock of my career and thought, well, you have all of this amazing off-air experience, but you haven't really been on the air yet. And that's the one thing that's lacking in your skill set. So by this time, I had started a conversation with Evan Bridwell at KUZZ, and I convinced him to let me do weekends. And I did weekends at KUZZ for two and a half years while I was still living in LA. And that's about an hour and a half commute if there's no traffic and if the grapevine doesn't get shut down. But I did that for two and a half years. And at that point, I knew there was no chance in hell of my ever getting a full-time job at KUZZ because their full-time air staff had all been in place for the past 25 years. But I was kind of like, this is a great set of call letters to have on your resume as your first ever on-air gig. So use this as a place to practice and see what happens there. And then I saw the posting that KFrog was looking for an evening host. And my initial reaction was, you are never going to get that job, but throw your resume and air check in the running and maybe you'll get a tour of the station. And that really was my attitude. I never expected to get hired. I sat in that interview with Lee Douglas and it was only when he said, well, if I had a list of 10 things that I'm looking for and the person I want in this position, you have more of them than anyone else. That was really when I thought, oh, I might actually get this job. So I started at KFrog eight years ago as the evening show host and had way more fun hosting evenings, uh, live and local evenings, if you can imagine that. I had way more fun than I ever should have been allowed to have. You absolutely. And then in, in September, um, Odyssey went to its national formats for country and somehow I dodged a big bullet and was reassigned instead of being let go. And uh, I, I'd been doing afternoon traffic for several years at that point, so I retained that. And then my general manager said, and we're gonna have you do public affairs programming for the Riverside and San Diego clusters, and we're gonna have a voice track weekend shift too. <laughs> so you are busy for sure, but nobody handles yes. it like a boss better than you do. When you say <laughs> it was a hard transition to go from solely being on air to now creating and producing public affairs programming, because that is a, that's why we have our licenses. That has to be, you know, a priority. Um, would you say, you know, plus you're doing traffic in some of the busiest cities in the West, was the transition part? <laughs> there were so many emotions that went on with that transition. There was obviously relief that I still had a job. There was survivor's guilt because I saw how many incredibly talented people got let go. And I was going, why am I still employed when these people aren't? I was terrified of taking over public affairs programming because that is a monster job. But I was also excited about it. And I, I remember when our GM, Michael Valenzuela, came to me and said, OK, you're going to start doing afternoon traffic. And my initial response was, well, of course I'll do it, but I'm going to suck at it. So my whole goal with doing traffic has been, I try not to suck too much at it. When he came to me and said, you're going to do public affairs programming, I had a very different reaction. I said, I think I'd be good at that eventually. And so it did, it, it took a while to get used to it. And I'm a lot faster about it than I am now, or than I was then. But I also found that I, 
And, and I also had this attitude of public affairs. Isn't that where old jocks go to die? <laughs> but I really found that I enjoyed hearing about these stories from people who are working to make our community difference, different and oftentimes not getting the acknowledgement that they deserve. And I love doing it now. And that's what's, I mean, that's what is so radiant about you because I know you, but why I thought it would be really cool to have you as part of this because there are going to be transitions for a lot of people in radio. There are going to be mm -hmm. learning new skill sets. And, you know, it's, it's people like you, people that are on the clubhouse, you know, event tonight that still have that passion for radio. What, how would you say, how, how is it that you maintain, you know, this upbeat personality and this upbeat, you know, a great attitude every day you wake up and you come into the office? How do you do it? How do you stay sane? I think I look back at 16 year old Vicki Pepper, who loved K-Frog and who loved country music. And I think if I had told her at 16 years old, you're going to do traffic reports on K-Frog one day, I think that girl would have freaked out and been like, that's so cool. That's amazing. And so I, I try to keep 16-year-old Vicki Pepper in the back of my mind. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, prior to consolidations, I got to brag on you for a second. You had a really successful evening program where you're pretty much one of the first women in country radio to shine a spotlight on female artists with a show that you developed called the All Girl Power Hour. Why was that so important to you? I think because of 16-year-old Vicki Pepper who fell in love with country radio because of artists like Patti Loveless and Mary Chapin Carpenter and Susie Boggess and Trisha Yearwood. And I really got worried that the next Patti Loveless might be out there getting discouraged from making music because maybe she didn't feel there was a place for women on country radio. And I, I don't want to imagine my life without Patti Loveless in it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. And how about the Judds getting uh, their announcement today into the Country Music Hall of Fame? Yes. Very That's, uh The Judds were actually probably the first major concert I went to as a kid. When the, and they played uh, out here. Um, Glen Helen Pavilion with Leroy Parnell opening. Oh my gosh. Now you're dating yourself. Um, I know. Where do, you, <laughs> where do you see yourself in five years, Vicki? I hope I'm still making a difference. I would love to be doing a jock shift again Monday through Friday, but I also really don't want to give up public affairs at this point. And so I, I hope that I hope I'm still around. Well, I think that you will be. Who would you say is on your Mount Rushmore of mentors? I know RJ is going to be on there. He's at the top. <laughs> um, there's I'm I'm so afraid I'm going to leave someone out. Tanya Campos, who is our APD MD at KZLA, was instrumental. Um, in my career, I remember sitting with her as an intern and she was like, what's your deal? What do you want to do in radio? And I said, eventually I'd like to be music director. And her face lit up because, it, you know, that was back in the day where 
we were still using Selector and she was like, no one else in this building knows how to use Selector. What if I teach you how to use Selector? Then you can be my backup and I can finally go on vacation that I have coming and I can't use because no one else knows how to schedule music. So she really took me under her wing and her lesson to me was, I'm gonna help you and in the future, you're gonna help some other woman, so. Oh, I love that, I love that. Yeah. Um, Tommy C, who used to work with us, is always very good at reminding me, don't put your career ahead of your family. I would have to also say everyone who is on the staff at KZLA is up there. Um, Buzz Brainerd and I worked together for many years. I would also like if I could put together the a group of people who I would like to be on the air with in the future, and I don't know who does what day part or how that all fits together, but I feel like we're all kind of the same age and we all kind of came up in radio together and we all kind of have the same vision. Uh, Pepper Daniels from KJUG in San Luis Obispo, Brent Michaels from KUZZ, and Tony Marie, who is in Nashville and who I met at KUZZ. And Tony Marie also has to be one of those mentors because she really was just nudging Evan along saying, hey, you know that girl who's never been on the air before but wants to be on air here at KUZZ? Just hire her, just do it. <laughs> I love it. And we've had, we've, had, we've had Brent Michaels on the Radio Rally in, uh, uh -huh. oh, it was a few months ago. But those are all great leaders. And I thank you for spending time today sharing your story with us because it is important, you know, that we we talk to people that have multiple roles in radio because, you know, if you're able to do what you've done, Pepper, you know, you have a great career ahead of you. So thank you. And we're going to have you stick around because we may have some questions from the audience after uh, we get to talk to Dave. Man, I know y'all were listening, right? You, you think about this just just for a minute. You, so you hear about uh, public affairs, traffic, the talk about survivor's guilt on the encouragers. And, and just for a moment, I just want to say, look, this is a very transitional time in our industry. And, and what that really means is, look, we're almost a quarter way into the 21st century. You're going to be asked to do some different things. You you got a, a couple of ways to look at that. Uh, my favorite way is it's always good to think about New Horizons doing new things. Please share what we're doing in the encouragers because, believe it or not, our only goal is to encourage anyone who is making a living in broadcast media in audio and Vicky's going to stick around for a few minutes after our second interview in case you have some questions coming up from her for her and all this transition you can tell those people out of uh, Riverside San Bernardino just have all kinds of attitude and it's just all kinds of good thank you Heather for bringing that interview to us and of course you can catch Heather on KFrog on the stream and a variety of other stations throughout the West as well the radio rally is our weekly Monday opportunity to visit with radio with our group the encouragers make your mark if you've not liked our group or go ahead and join the encouragers please do that tonight we do have at least two events every single week that are both designed to help you grow your radio and audio career our next guest is somebody that i 
I had the tremendous pleasure to work with for a brief amount of time. Dave Steele, he is the voice. He actually does a lot with that voice and it extends way past his voiceover business. So uh, try try to think about this for a minute. Radio, television, film, narration, agency and commercials. And uh, you can hear a little bit of squawking in the background there. Here is a quote directly from one of Dave's clients. Quote, Dave was my guy that I could fall back on for just about anything. Great voice, great personality, and a work ethic that cannot be beat. I'd use Dave for everything if I could. Bottom line, if you hire Dave, be prepared for great service, a great product, and the pleasure of working with a real professional that values your business, your time, and your opinion. Okay, so let's meet the man. Dave, welcome to the Encouragers. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's This is a great conversation. And uh, Heather, it's good to hear your voice. And Vicki, I love your enthusiasm for radio. That's awesome. Mm. Hi, Dave. Hi, honey. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, what happened to yes. you? Here's what I want to know. Uh, right. Did you know early on that you were going to use your voice? Did you did you know that as a kid? When did you know, hey, I'm going to be this voice guy? All right. The short version is uh, I grew up in Telluride, Colorado. And then when my parents got a divorce, I went from this tiny, tiny town to uh, Pueblo, Colorado, which to me seemed like New York City. And I, you know, no friends. My only friend was the radio. And uh, I listened to a guy who was out in California. His name was Gary Scott Thomas. And I ended up meeting Gary and doing a public service announcement with him. Loved radio. And that was my first taste at 15 years old. Wow. I feel like all I feel like a lot of radio stories begin with the sentence. I was 15 years old. Yeah, 15. And my uh, very first job was at KKMG in in Pueblo, Colorado Springs, Magic FM. Wow. All right. So you did radio. Tell us about that. Give us the what I would call the Google Earth view. Tell us a little bit about your radio career. Okay. I was a freshman in high school, started running Rig D's weekly top 40 at Magic FM. Only got on the air because of a snowstorm and the interstate I-25 got shut down. So I had to go on the air and thought that was going to be awesome. And I completely sucked at it, but they stuck with me. And then I I worked at that radio station all the way through my high school career. But while I was in high school, I thought I'd like to do electrical or acoustic engineering. And then I moved, I quit radio, moved to Kansas City to get my degree in electrical engineering. And then I bumped into a guy named Mike Kennedy who ran KBEQ. This was probably about 1992, Mm. and they flipped KBEQ from a top 40 station to a country station. And after TJ McIntyre, I was the second hire for that station, and I was still pretty young, so they put me on overnights. So I was in Kansas City, and then Mike Kennedy bought a radio station in Manhattan, Kansas. I ran uh, as a music director uh, and a morning show guy at KXBZ FM in Manhattan, then jumped over to uh, program director at Froggy 98 in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I see my buddy Adam is on this uh, call as well. We worked kind of together in that region for a while. And then from there, I went to South Bend, Indiana, 
at uh, WBYT, moved to Louisiana to work for uh, Citadel at uh, what was then Cajun country. They flipped it to the Citadel cat country format. That lasted for about a year. Ended up in West Virginia at Morgantown, Youngstown, Ohio. Then I moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And after that, I kind of got tired of moving around with three daughters that were mm. very, very young. So I bailed on radio and focused on the voiceover stuff. That's the overview. That's as quick right. as I can make it. Okay. Right. Which, which is pretty good. And, and man, when I met you, you're just a big voice guy. That's what I knew. So <laughs> it, it may not be known that I worked with Dave in what I will call <clears throat> a very compromising situation. And, and Dave only did one thing for me. He made it perfect. He proves that his attitude is simply the best that you'll come across in, in your opinion, Dave, how do you get customers to gush over you? Like the quote I read a few minutes ago and what I'm saying about you, how do you do that? Well, I think for many guys that are in the voiceover industry and whatever aspect you do, whether it's radio imaging, TV, bumpers, trailers. I mean, one of my idols is on this call. I'm looking at Scott Fisher down there in the bottom and just I wish he was in my place because I would love to hear his story. But uh, oh, we I got think, a podcast with him on it. <laughs> OK, I'm going to have he is listen. pretty. Yeah, he's pretty great, actually, just like here's you. the thing, right? As I was developing, I mean, Scott was one of those guys I could listen to and go, yeah, I like that sound. But I found out very quickly, you can't copy people. You have to kind of have your own thing. And I think what I try to focus on is knowing as a program director at one point in this business and watching the layoffs and the attrition happen in the industry, that more mm. program directors that are appointed as a program director have less experience than some of these veterans that have been, you know, booted out of radio stations. And not only are they sometimes overwhelmed, the ability to get things done has to be very, very fast because they've got so many more responsibilities than than in the old days, where if you were a program director, you could do some air checks, make sure the music logs were okay from your music director, um, talk to the sales staff, promotions. Now when I get stuff, or when I would write stuff for my old voiceover guy uh, sometimes it would take days to get back and that would irritate the shit out of me i would get pissed so right. my so my thing was look if you send it to me if i get it by four o'clock eastern time unless something tragic in my life happens you're probably going to have it back that same day and if you need a retake fine i don't count pages i hate counting pages it takes longer to count pages than it does just to read it and um, once I sign a rate with you, I don't increase my rates and I don't have an agent. So I don't have to deal with agency stuff. And, and Dave, can I say something just in case people think that you're kidding? One of the what? hardest things for me to adjust to when I start working with you is that you this literally happened to me. I sent him, I think I, sent, I think I sent you two or three pages, and I said, hey, this is no big deal, you know, and you flipped back a, a text to me, or you called me, and you basically said something like, I broke my arm, but I'm going to be on this in a few minutes. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. what the hell is that? Are you kidding? No. You know, but you were like, no, no, I got this. It's no big deal. And I'm like, 
I mean, where do you go from there? Look, I don't have to talk with my arm, you know. Uh, yeah. So. I don't know. It's, you know, for me, it's, I would like to give people the customer service that I would expect if I hired somebody to do the job. All right. That's, so look. That's the only, that's the only way I can explain it. You're not going to escape without some incident on this live event. So you have another, you have another side. Uh, you do what many in this room and many of us would call public service work. And many would also call it hero work. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So tonight I'm getting a text message from Lloyd going, Hey man, Two minutes to the call. I'm, I'm on. I am on my way. I am on my way. I have just finished uh, working an automobile accident involving an 18-wheeler, a jeep, mm. and a motorcycle, and we had to cut a guy out of the jeep uh, because he was trapped. So during my off hours, I'm a captain at a fire department, and I've been in the fire service as a volunteer for 23 years now. How how did that develop? What in the world? Well, this is this is one of those things where I, you know, I hope some radio people will kind of understand this point. Sometimes in radio, everybody has the ego at some point. You 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 get the mm. ego and then you either grow out of it or you don't. But for me, I would listen to people in radio stations at one point kind of bitch about the coffee wasn't hot enough or who didn't clean out the pot. And that was like, that was the biggest problem in their lives. I continue to say to this day, your worst day in radio is better than a good day at a real job. I, right. I truly, truly believe that. And so as I started to struggle with ego and uh, kind of thinking that, you know, I was better at my job than I probably actually was and needed some grounding, I joined a volunteer fire department. And then when you go to a fire and you, you know, you go into a building that's either on fire or a family's panicking or you're at an auto accident or you're taking an AED to a heart attack victim. I mean, whatever mm. the case might be, you know, that kind of settles your ego a little bit, you know, you does it, does it change you? Yeah. Does it, uh, does it, it uh, must literally change you. I mean, it's crushing me to watch the stuff happening in Afghanistan. I'm not talking politics here. I'm just saying, I'm talking about humanity. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you, you see these trap. I mean, you, you explain that you just, you just broke up a traffic fight. Dang. Uh, it's a traffic, traffic accident. And we yeah. shipped off the guy on a, on a med flight. So I, you know, I don't know mm. what the outcome is on that, but as far as changing, wow. I, I believe I've got a lot more patience now than I used to have, only because at the end of the day, whatever kind of rough thing you're going through, it just doesn't compare to some of the rough things, you know, I get to see on a weekly or daily basis. So it just puts life into perspective, right? Like like when you said, you know, popping out that those three pages of copy for you, you yeah. know, that's that's not a big deal. I mean, I know some voiceover guys that, <laughs> that used to complain that it was too much and they'd have to charge you for no, another rate for the month because you were overworking them. And I just I can only roll my eyes at that. Wow. Listen, OK, uh, you you got to be honest with us now, OK, because mm -hmm. we're in, we're in a real honest place after the last couple of questions. Uh, okay. you, you you do an awful lot of radio work. Is there a format that's your favorite to voice? Is there such a thing? 
You know, I there there might be. I I must say that I don't think it's format specific. I think it's it's quality of writing specific, right? Mm. I, I mean, if you if you have the right writing to go with the radio station and you can make it fun and compelling and interesting, that that does more for me as a voiceover guy than any format, right? So it seems to me that somebody like you, uh, uh, somebody like Scott, who's in our audience right now, yeah. would be the perfect people for us to ask, how do we get rid of this crappy writing? <laughs> like, well, this, I go, you know, I, I, I go back to the problem I've just identified where so many quality talents have been, you know, pushed out of the industry, whether it's oh, for yes. salary or, or, uh, ownership didn't want to, you know, pay any kind of retirement, whatever the case might be. And people are thrown in the wrong. People can be thrown into the job of their dreams, right? You can literally yes. have yes. the wrong person get the job of their dreams and then stumble and not really have a fulfilling time at it because they, they're kind of lost. And I see that in a lot of writing and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. Oh no, I just, not. I just want to, I just want to put an example out there. And if you're a program director who does this, I'm not trying to pick on you specifically. But if we as an audience can tune into any streaming platform and listen to Amazon or, or any, any music platform that there might be out there, you know, for, for three hours with uninterrupted music, why the heck would an audience member care that you're playing, you know, 10 songs in a row? I, I just think the mindset has to change and the way writing and imaging radio stations has to develop, D develop as fast as all of the streaming platforms, you know, develop their playlists and, and, and how things come together. I just think in some respects, writing for radio has fallen behind in many markets. Well, and I, I think, look, we're in the innovation or technology century, if you will, and that that word. Technology means speed and speed of change. Uh, this is a great place to ask. What about a favorite kind of client? I'm not asking you to name names here either, by the way, but but what kind of work really turns you on the most? I th I think the I think my favorite kind of client in writing is the guy who really really sits down at night maybe with a glass of scotch or something and a yellow tablet piece of tablet paper and they just start firing off ideas right and then it takes you know a little while to really get the creative writing done and then he'll call me right and i'll have conversations with some program directors and they go hey mm. i'm thinking about this what do you what do you think and almost a collaboration where He's like, all right, I'm going to write this. You add some, you add lib. We'll use it if we like it. We'll toss it if we hate it. And Scott will tell you, as a voiceover guy, you have to have thick skin. Clients come, clients go. Things you read might work. They might not. You might have to have a retake. You just got to suck it up. But as far as the favorite writing for me goes, the favorite client is the one who has that vision in their brain and can you used to do that to me lloyd you mm. were notorious for calling me going all right <laughs> all right this this is what i see this is lloyd right. this is what i see this is what i this is my vision and then i would have to sit through like 15 minutes of your vision and then you go does that make sense <laughs> does that make sense and i'm like kind of let's try it <laughs> you know there you I mean, go 
I love the crazy creative. That's the best. Well, play. look, crazy I was going to say, you just said something very interesting. You're talking about program directors, but this is really where the content starts. If you can have that, that moment of collaboration, I think that's incredible. Yeah. And I think program directors also need to lean on all of their staff for writing. Yes. It might not oh, be the best yes. writing from other, from other people in, in your, in your building, but everybody in your building is going to listen to your product and they might have different ideas of how they perceive it that might be intriguing and help you. you well, and great just, ideas come from everywhere. Everywhere. Man, I used to have all of my jocks write stuff and then we'd take the best of the best. Hmm. I so, Look, I don't care who you are. At some point, we all have crazy or unusual client requests. Yes. Do you have that one story for us that you might be able to tell us something you've been asked to do that you started out not believing was real? And, and I would like to say, please don't bring me up again. <laughs> uh, so this is this has nothing to do with imaging or anything. It's a it was a training. It was a training video for um, oh, what was the name of the it was a it was a breakfast restaurant chain and I. Uh, something house, no, Waffle House. Anyway, it'll come to Huddle me. House. Huddle House. That's the one. And then I remember the story, Dave. Go. How does she these, know that? Because these guys <laughs> wrote the craziest copy for me, and it it was almost like I was kind of berating the person who was being trained. Like I could yell at people mm. at, on the training video, and I thought for sure I was being scammed. But the, the check cleared, and so I continued to yell at people in a training video. It was worked out, and it was great. And I guess I still am the voice of the Huddle House. If anybody needs a part-time job and you get yelled at by the training video, that would be me. Wait a minute. This situation was so weird, you thought it wasn't real. Man, when you would have seen this script come through, and they said, hey, what do you charge to do stuff like this? <laughs> and I wrote them a, a kind of a higher quote than I probably should have because I thought they were messing with me. And they hired me and we recorded it and it worked and they kept coming back. It was amazing. Man. It was amazing. All right. So what do you absolutely love about doing voiceover work? I love watching my kids grow up in front of me from my house. Oh, man. What a great answer. I just sent my oldest daughter to Purdue this past Saturday yes. uh, as a freshman in college. She's going for her uh, doctorates in pharmacy. She got direct admitted to the six-year program. Um, my middle daughter, she's going to go to IU to, for dermatology. And then my youngest daughter, Sierra, is like a gnat in a windstorm. I don't think she knows what the hell she's ever going to do. But being able to hang up my headphones from radio and work out of my basement and just be the dad that so many people seem to lack these days has really has really been the greatest event for me. Yeah, that's Dude, it. I, have, I have to tell you that every conversation I have with you, you are just I mean, the people in your life are just fortunate. They just are. Thank you're you. so you're so balanced. Your attitude is so great. I'm catching it from you. That's what's happening. <laughs> do, you, do you have a mentor or mentors that look, 
in this business of voiceover, people who have helped you along the way, who, who would those people be? Well, I would be reminisced to uh, not mention John Williard. No, uh, he, oh. he, he was actually, he was my voice guy for a long time when, when things were still getting delivered on reel to reel. And I kind of told him, Hey John, I want to do that. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Buy one of these, oh. do this. And, uh, he, that kind of is how it started. But as far as voiceover guys who I listened to growing up, um, it would be Charlie Van Lee, Van Dyke, David Lee. Mm. Um, I know that, you know, Scott Fisher, I know you're on here listening to me and you can't jump in, but you, I've listened to your stuff for years. And then um, Eric, who's also on this call, who does the demo work, he his stuff is amazing. And so it's you just I don't know. I can't really pin it on one anybody. It's just a multitude of the, the attitudes you find, the people you meet, Mark Peoples. Um, it's just I, steps I you take in it. your career, right? It's steps. It's like. Nobody does anything alone, and you learn different things along the way, right? Yeah, you just you, you never can go. This is the guy who got me started, and that's where it ended. I mean, it's just it's like you just have to continue to develop your talent, yourself, your delivery, your attitude, and hopefully, you move along at the speed of the change of imaging. I, I don't know if that makes any sense mm, whatsoever. It no, it, it purely does. Okay. So you knew in this conversation, we're eventually going to get here. Let's talk about fantasy. Okay, Dave, let's talk about goal setting, whatever you want to call it. Not even talking about a specific category. You do so much for radio, TV, narration, agency work and commercials. I'm sure I'm leaving something out. Is there something on your bucket list as a voice talent that you would still love to get your hands on? Yeah, and I don't know, am I still clear because you're a little bit fuzzy on my end? You are you a little, Dave, you're a little bit fuzzy. <laughs> All right. At least, um, at least to me you are. This, let me just blurt this out because I think I can I can safely say that one of my bucket lists is uh, I would love to be the like the narrator for one of the Discovery Planet Earth series. That that would do it for me. Oh, be nice. Done. Nice. Well, I actually my consulting practice is actually in Knoxville, Tennessee. So maybe through the algorithms of whatever, maybe this will float right to them. Dave, I <laughs> want to thank you for joining us on the Encouragers. I hope you'll stick around for a few minutes in case some people in our audience have questions for you. You know, yeah, every Excellent. Every single week, we have visits with radio pros in different parts of the country. We do it for a single reason. We're here to encourage you and encourage anyone making a living from the radio business today. This is also where you can come and hear from people you might ordinarily not get to hear in an intimate setting. Talk about radio right now. And you can also meet them on our live Clubhouse events. Follow the people on the stage at this live event and look around the room to see the folks in the room and, and connect with them and network with them. Our purpose is to encourage and networking is a big part of encouraging your career in radio. Don't forget next week, Monday, our LA and love event. I'm not kidding. Marcy Weiser is going to be here. She's the midday talent on 95.5 KLOS in Los Los Angeles. She will be joined by Mandy Prussia Young, who is the K-Love and Air One Group Program.
program director. You know they got stories, and we're going to get them next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And you don't want to miss anything that they are going to share with us. We are going to open up the room in case there are some questions from you about either of our guests or somebody on our panel or just somebody in general. Just push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device that is about raising your hand. I say this every week. They really should make that look like a phone, a smartphone, but it looks like a tablet and somebody's hand. But if you just press it, uh, it is your way to say, hey, I would like to go to the stage and ask a question. We do ask that you mute your mic until we call on you. Of course, uh, check in at any time to get the latest update as we continue to add guests to both of our weekly live events. We publish our full updated schedules at RainmakerPathway.com. That's also where you can get fresh and free resources to encourage you or any Anyone in the radio business, which means, of course, yes, please share it with other people. It's our way of, of making what we're doing better known so that more people come in contact with us, more people can be encouraged. We don't lock away anything from you on our website. That's because we're here to encourage your career. So we care about the people in the radio business. Please look in the free blog section, get the hook up and share it with your friends. Also, don't forget to join us Wednesdays on Clubhouse Live for innovation in audio. This is a little bit different. Skip Dillard is my co-host from WBLS and Hot 97 in New York City. As usual, we do have two guests, but just like normal for innovation in audio, only one will be from radio itself. The other is usually someone who handles or works consistently with innovation itself. They may or may not be tied directly to radio or even audio. It's our way to give you a different creative perspective about change, about creativity itself, about how to create change effectively and peacefully. And of course, it is about innovation. This Wednesday, yes, just two days from right now, our live innovation and audio event will feature Gary Krantz, who is the founder and CEO of Krantz Media Group in New York, New York. Why don't you see what he does? You will have your mind blown. And speaking of having your mind blown, this Wednesday, Chad Callahan is the is the brand content producer for Checkpoint XP Beasley Media Group. And if you think that that's about radio stations, man, are we going to blow your mind on Wednesday? So let's talk questions for today's guest, Vicki and Dave, or anyone on our panel, if you do have questions, I will say this, you know, uh, we do not make uh, questions mandatory. It's one of our things on the encouragers. We don't mind you just coming for a listen if that's what you want to do. Uh, Jesse, do you have a question for somebody on our panel? Yeah, I've got a random question for Dave. This is so random, but it popped into my head and I've always wanted to know. <laughs> Dave, when you're on vacation and you have voice work to do, do you just not do it? Do you say, hey, I'm going to be on vacation. I'm not going to do it. Or what do you do in certain instances where you're like, oh, I have no choice. I have to get this cut. What's your solution? Uh, does it involve a lot of pillows up against a wall? Uh, uh, would you just, how, how does that work? So I am the most annoying voiceover guy when it comes to letting people know I will be on vacation. Um, my vacations are typically not at locations where I can record in a closet. Um, 
my vacation is, you know, I go to Michigan and I, I camp in the woods for 10 days and I, I don't have access to, you know, electricity or email or anything like that. So when I go out, I have to email people about two months in advance and I send an email every week and I let everybody know I, I will not be able to record or I will be out of the country and probably in a, you know, maybe scuba diving somewhere and I don't, I can't record. So I try not to take vacations too often because I love what I do. So it's not like it's a lot of work anyway, but I, I typically don't record when I'm on vacation, especially if I bring my family. Boy, I got to tell you, of all the things I expected, here is an obscure reference, okay? So look it up if you have Netflix and Amazon and, and wherever else you do streaming. But I never expected for Dave to be on our live event saying that he is actually Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> okay, that's not for everybody, but you can look that up. You can Google that. It'll be all right. I, I have a question for Vicky. And Vicky, you said something for just a moment that kind of really caught my attention when you were talking with Heather. And it was about public affairs. You said when they first told you, okay, I, we're going to shift you over and you're going to be doing public affairs, you kind of went, oh, no, wait, no, wait. <laughs> And then you, this has changed for you. You're like, whatever happens to me, I don't want to let go of this thing. Why? Tell us what what happened. I think the transition actually started a couple of years ago where I, when I first got into radio and, my, and I was on the air, I thought I just wanted to have fun. I didn't realize that I had anything of importance or consequence to say. I just wanted to have fun. And especially the last few years that I was on the air, it occurred to me that I really wanted to inspire people and that I wanted to move them in big ways. And, and I found that public affairs was a really, um, a really good way to do that. I, I found that in doing public affairs, I was actually able to express more of myself than I was doing nice. a music intensive evening show. And that was really fulfilling. I don't know if I that answered your question. It did. And I love that you came on the encouragers and, and you gave such great examples of when your cheese gets moved. And I don't know what it is y'all are drinking over there in Riverside. Maybe it's the California sunshine <laughs> or whatever. But I mean, you know, we first became real familiar with Heather and her whole attitude problem a while back. And her her attitude problem is so bad that they put her in the country radio hall of fame, if you know what I'm saying. But you all seem to have such great attitudes. And I love that you appear on this live event. And and the one thing that you did say is, you know, in five years, I, I hope I'm making a difference. That that is such a great thing to say. I, I hope it's true. And I, I see how much it means to the members of, you know, we, we call it the K-Frog family. We don't call them listeners. When they say, hey, I've got this fundraiser. Can you help us out with it? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do an interview and we are going to post it on our events page and we'll see if we can send someone out there. That really means something. To, it does mean something to those and, personal and, connections. You know, I deal a lot with branding. It's, I have a lot of conversations with clients about branding all the time. And what branding really comes down to, of course, is trust. 
When you talk about the K-Frog family and you're empowered to go, here's what we're going to do for you. That's incredible. And I'm so glad that you decided to grace us with your presence. Scott, do you have a question for somebody on our panel? Oh, sorry. I still have a problem finding this mute button. I apologize. <laughs> we all have that problem from time to time, right? Yeah. Uh, Lloyd, great, uh, great conversation again. What's up, Jesse Tack? And um, no real question, just uh, a comment to Dave. Uh, he mentioned it uh, earlier. You got to have thick skin being a voiceover guy. But I'll tell you what, when, when I lose a client because Dave is replacing me, oh, it God. stings less because <laughs> Dave's the guy. Oh, Wow. He's a great dude and he's extremely uh, talented. And uh, we have, you know, we've got great stories about all that kind of stuff. It happens all the time. But no question, uh, just, uh, just hi to everybody and, and uh, enjoy the listen tonight. Thank you. Two really incredible voiceover talents. And boy, to have them just say unexpected things back to back. And I also <laughs> must do this because I always like to give a little bit of a ribbing to RJ. He is actually going to have to listen to the podcast to hear all the things that we talked about RJ earlier. Because I, I saw him. Say, his yeah, he came in late. Right. So, and right now he doesn't know if those are good things or bad things. <laughs> Could be so bad. So, RJ. Could be very bad. I mean, you just don't know, buddy. Listen, we do try to keep things to about an hour. Of course, w one of the great things about our live events is that you can listen. No one is required to ask questions. We want people to feel comfortable here. Thank you for joining us every single Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally. One of the things that we are is very consistent. Remember, if you know someone that you would like to hear as a guest on the radio rally. Don't be bashful. I got an email address, Ford, F-O-R-D, at RainmakerPathway.com. Just hit me up. I'd love to hear about it. Of course, we hope that you have a rock star week. We like to say at Rainmaker Pathway and here on the radio rally, once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. A big thank you to Heather Froglier and Jesse Tack for being such great co-hosts for this live event. Our thanks, of course, how could we, how could we do anything without thanking Dave and Vicki for being incredibly patient with us and incredibly giving guests on this live broadcast. And a very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which should be available in the next 24 hours and probably sooner because he's faster than I am, I can guarantee you. And we want to thank Just Joe Productions for creating our audio footprint and distributing the podcast. Please do share the podcast, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally, and our other podcast, yes, we have two, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio. Both podcasts are available right now on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please, please remember, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally. Consider yourself an encourager. Thanks for supporting the encouragers on Clubhouse, and good night. <laughs>